0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the House of the Hinky Built podcast. As always, I am your host, Jackson Frank, and per usual, I'm hosted on Spotify Green Room. I apologize for the brief hiatus. It's been a busy, uh, busy week or so for me. I uh, know I didn't have one out on Saturday. Uh, I had one Thursday. Um, today, I'm going to bring on Mark Schindler, and we're going to kind of just recap the Sixers free agency moves. They retained Furkan Korkmaz and Danny Green. They signed Andre Drummond and George Niang. Um, maybe we'll talk a bit about the Ben Simmons situation. It's been a bit since I actually talked about it. So maybe Mark and I'll give some so- thoughts on that. Um, I know the Sixers are currently playing a summer league game. their opening summer league game. Um, but uh, we'll have some thoughts on that later in the week. Um, but today I wanted to do a little recap of free agency um, with kind of a neutral observer. Obviously, we had, we had Evan Gualberto on last week, who we did a great job of breaking down Drummond and Yang. But I want to get Mark's thoughts on the Sixers moves as a whole. Uh, but there will be some really content. Do not worry. Um, this, this can be your one stop pod for all Sixers stuff. Uh, so later in the week, maybe tomorrow or Wednesday, we'll have a, we'll have a Sixers recap of today's game. Um, but today, we're going we're gonna to talk some Sixers free agency. Uh, as always, please review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. I'm uh, going to bring on Mark now. Excited to talk some basketball. Mark, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. How are you doing, Jackson?
0: I am. I am doing well. I'm excited to join all of you and our uh, our friends in, in Vegas tomorrow. But for now, I am I'm am Portland for one more day and join the beautiful uh, beautiful weather here before I go to. I, I don't really want to call it weather. The 110 degrees. It's a heat in sus- Vegas. Pit,
1: man. It's uh, <laughs> it's supposed to be 106 today, and uh, it's not Cleveland. That is that's for <laughs> damn sure. But no, man, I'm, I'm psyched to catch a game with you tomorrow. Um, yeah. And I, I caught a little bit of the Sixers game. Uh, James Springer's looked awesome on defense, as expected. The offense has been a little bit rough to, to get started. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm psyched to talk about some of the Sixers moves.
0: Cool. Yes. Yeah. Um, we do have a question, though. Um, mm-hmm. Evan Damerill said, I won't be able to make it, but Mark, is Mark dining at Maggiano's while in Vegas? If so, what will he say to insult the chef? I did encourage questions. I guess I did uh, – didn't specify the type of questions, but Evan took it and ran with it. So, Mark, let's hear your thoughts on that.
1: So uh, I'll counter, actually. I went to uh, this place called Italy last night because I got home from games very late at home. Jeez. I got back to my <laughs> uh, my hotel very late last night. Um, I, w- I was going to go to this Taiwanese restaurant uh, that's in the Aria that was supposed to be really good. And, of course, you have to have reservations. I did not have a reservation. And that resulted in me walking around uh, – with with our, our friends Evan and Anish for like an hour trying to find somewhere to eat, and finally we just someone on this Italian place. And I ate pasta last night, and it was fine. Uh, I would have rather had something else, but you know <laughs> we we make do with what we're given. If
0: if you know Mark and his stance on pasta, that is a <laughs> to consider yeah. it fine is a is a big deal. But yeah, Evan and Anish, friends of the pod, they've both been on to talk some draft stuff. So listeners should be should be acquainted with both of them. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into some actual uh, some actual. Sixers stuff here um, we'll keep the food stuff to a minimum of course here but uh, I just want to get kind of your your general thoughts and evaluation on, on what the Sixers did over the last week or so um, retaining Furcon Cork Miles and Danny Green um, adding on a Drummond and Georges Niang uh, how do you feel about kind of because I know both you and I feel very strongly about the the discussion around contracts and whatnot so yeah. the way I want to phrase it is with with Danny and Furcon, how do you feel? And so, Furcon's deal is three years, 15 million. Danny's is two years, 20 million, but the second year is non guaranteed. Um, so, how do you feel about those two guys' ability to kind of approximate the on court impact of guys who make similar uh, amounts of money? Because I don't know everyone's like, how do you feel about them are earning the money? Of course, they earn the money. Um, but kind of, do you think that's a, those are fair price points given the players around them who make a similar you know, amount of money and given kind of the on court impact you can expect of, of Furcon and Danny?
1: Yeah, like so. Let's think about somebody making five million dollars. Like Tory Craig just got signed for a, I think it's a two-year, ten million dollars mm-hmm. contract. Yeah, I, I would so. have Furcon kind of in that same range. Uh, like as a guy who can contribute to the back end of a rotation, you are really not expecting him to do a whole ton in the playoffs. Like obviously, you hope so, but I think mm-hmm. for the most part, that's where those kind of contracts eke out as. Um, with with Andy Green, I mean, I think it's fine. I, I honestly was just surprised that that he signed with the Sixers. I thought he was going to leave. Uh, Based on reporting, uh, and he ended up re-signing, which I thought was huge for the Sixers overall. Because you know, by the time that he did, there wasn't really. uh, It it was kind of hard to see who else is going to come in and try and fill that gap that Danny would be leaving. Um, And I think the value is fine too. Um, Like, yeah, just especially given what he brought last year. Obviously, he's not the same player as four or five years ago, but he's still a very valuable player and and a solid start in the league.
0: Yeah, I think I was gonna say I, I feel like he's still roughly a solid starter. Like last year, I want to say he was probably slightly below average starter, which makes him a top ninety-ish guy. I um, was yeah. always trying to think about things like there's usually what 550 players who come through the NBA in a given season. If you're a starting caliber player, like you're, that's good. You deserve to that's make really a lot. Good. Like you deserve to make a lot of money. So, but yeah, I was I was surprised that they retained him as well. Um, you know, I had Jake Fisher on the pod during in kind of the harder scene. The things he was reporting, um, and Jake was really plugged in this entire run. The things he was reporting, he felt like it was, like he said outright that he the things he'd heard. It was. It seemed more likely that Danny was going to leave, and he was linked to other teams. So I was a little surprised too. But yeah, that was a huge deal. Um, the only like, the only benefit for the Sixers is it would open up the full MLE. But at that, but at that point, there wouldn't have been a lot of guys who you could you know, slot in as a starter. So getting Danny back was, I think, a, a hugely important thing to avoid a. I would I would say like a a net net loss in free agency so far um, just because of how important he is there. But um, what'd you make of the other moves? You know, the adding on a Drummond and George and Yang, I, I said at the start of the pod, I was not English. As I said, at the start of the pod, I had Evan Gualberto on who was an X's and O's and film master. Um, we had him break down their games. We talked about him, but what did you make of those moves? Um, just kind of individually, what do you make of these players? I know that Drummond can be polarizing, but mm-hmm. um, how did you feel about kind of those those two additions? Because I'll I'll kind of bounce off of you, but I liked them in the aggregate. I think they're good moves. But how do you feel about those players and how they fit on the
1: Sixers? Yeah, so it's uh, there's a, a lot. Of, I, I actually think you and I feel pretty similarly because we've talked about Drummond before. We talked about it during the playoffs on a pod. Um, with Drummond, like I think number one, I just question a little bit what people and this sound not to sound like. Spiteful or whatever, but I just am wondering what people were watching when he played the, played with the Lakers because I thought he was fine. Like I know that it wasn't sexy, and yes, they went out in the first round, but you cannot put that on Andre Drummond. That team was decimated by injury. I honestly thought, for the most part, he was fine when they were out there. Um, I know that the you know the rim finishing is never going to be good. We know that, but he corrals most of his misses anyways. I really thought that when he was put in the right scenarios on defense, he was capable. Like he played some good hedge and recover uh against the the, he was capable in drop you know playing more in center field uh was active with his hands again he's not perfect uh I think he's capable of starting on some teams but he's going to be a very good backup for the Sixers and I just think people have largely uh overthought it and or just try to be too jokey with it and I get it to some extent like I won't lie I laughed like crazy when I saw the picture of him and Joel meeting up uh, when he signed (laughs) but overall like Andre Drummond is going to be one of the best backups in the league. Um, and I think that matters, especially during the regular season for a team that I think is going to need to to gun for a higher seed next year, especially with Brooklyn at the top. Um, like having home court advantage is going to be really important for them. And Andre Drummond is a guy who can eat against backup bigs. Like if they're playing mm-hmm. against a team that has um, like a poor backup big scenario, I mean, yes, again, you don't just want to dump, dump, dump the ball into Andre. But even if you miss, like – you're going that, – that's that's just getting a certified easy basket. Like, that matters to me. So I think mm-hmm. I like the signing. Uh, with the Yang, I was really happy with the signing because, um, first of all, kind of a decent loss for Utah, especially if you look at their rotation overall because he's, he's a good ball mover. He tries to be in the right place on defense even though he's not very athletic. Um and he yeah. doesn't have like a great you know not 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 awesome measurables or anything but I think he's largely like closer he, to a neutral than a than a bad yeah. Defender.
0: I, the way I tried to frame that with with Evan is I think he sees more rotations than he can make just because yes, he isn't definitely. super mobile. But he but like when he can get there he he's smart. Um but yeah I and obviously I will kind of I don't mean to cut you off about any angle no, you're good. but. But I, but I like you know. I'm never gonna. Like, I'm not gonna. I don't want to sit here and be like, oh yeah, the the eighth man off the bench is a huge deal. But for the Sixers, one, they needed a backup four. They played well, yeah. those four guard lineups last year. I um, mean, one that can play with Joel to help him. He's a, he's he's large. as a spot up guy. He can do a little bit, kind of a little bit, you know, screen and then turn and catch. Um, but just someone who can shoot well from three. Uh, and, and just gives you size on the bench. They needed that because they're running lineups with Tyrese Maxey, Furkan Korkmaz, T. Stiebel, George Hill, and Dwight Howard, uh, which is just not a ton of size and is really and that's part of, that's what's part of the issue in the Hawk series. Is I know Gallo wasn't great, but when Gallo went off at times, he was able to pick on their undersized bench units. That you know that and that's some that's a lot of that's had to dock. It's not really these players' faults, but when you play four bench guys, um, that's part of the issue. But I like the Niang pickup too. But continue about. I just think it's a nice, solid kind of you know, addition to the bench that gives them a little more versatility. I think if there's anything that you can take away from these playoffs, I mean, there are many things, but like from these past playoffs, it's having different looks and counters, and the Sixers didn't didn't really have that. That was kind of a broadly one of their issues, and I think Nguyen get gives them that, which is more size than shooting off the bench, whereas mostly last year was just four little dudes. Not nah, I mean, little dudes, they're all taller than me, my goodness. Four <laughs> guards. Uh, little guy, little dudes in the scope of how the, the average NBA player. My goodness, I apologize yeah. if any Sixers are listening to this. You're certainly not little. Um, I'm bungling this, but point being is I like the Yang pickup because I needed more size on the bench. I have harped on that kind of the season ended, and the gives them that as a guy who can who's playable. It's not just they got a guy off the bench who maybe fits the rotation. I think he'll be one of their better you know bench bench guys next season.
1: Yeah, so I mean, don't worry. I feel you there. I uh, <laughs> I have learned the, the true size of NBA players once again. This is my—I like, saw my first real game in in two years in person yesterday, and I I walked by both Jaden and, and Jalen McDaniel's when they were on their way to a game, and I was like, oh wow, yeah, I'm I'm sure. <laughs> this is what it's like being five eight. So I feel that. But uh, with with Niang, I think the biggest thing for me was uh, the. I mean, like you were mentioning, it, it, a, a ninth man signing wouldn't be that important or big to most teams, but like. Considering where the Sixers were at last year, Doc cannot play Mike Scott anymore, and that matters. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think Mike Scott's – like if I remember correctly, Mike Scott's just signing me back on the team. But most importantly, like yeah. you have somebody who can come off the bench, play that backup four-roll, and, and just hit shots. Because even when Mike played, he wasn't really hitting shots. Um, and it was so catastrophic having him out there on defense because he couldn't move anymore. Um, so adding somebody who can actually do that is massive. Um, so I've liked the signing a lot. Um, and I actually think, just in aggregate, like he's going to be potential. I mean, he he's. I would say that he he's higher in value to me right now than Furcon. Like I think that he's a little mm-hmm. bit more capable of a player. Um, I just like the signing overall. And last thing with Drummond too. Um, like you mentioned, Dwight, and I think that's the other thing that gets totally lost in the sauce for me with this. Like Dwight was unplayable in the playoffs, mm-hmm. um, and that, that that did not stop Doc from playing him, and he really didn't <laughs> have a, an option to be completely honest. Like there wasn't another backup pick to go to because. Paul Reed wasn't really ready to play big minutes, and and he he's not quite a, ready to handle somebody like Clint Capella for a full game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just think co- going from being a, a, a significant negative with Dwight on court to maybe being neutral to sometimes positive, and you're going to have some negative stretches from Andre too. But like, I think that's just a huge upgrade overall.
0: Yeah, I think the the only thing you could have done if you were Doc is you would have gone to Bennett at the five. But obviously, Ben had his own struggles, and Ben has yeah. never been great at the five as is, it would have been, I, I, like I advocated for it, you know, throughout all my streams in the playoffs, you know, when Dwight was really struggling, but um, it's a lot to ask to, th- to, you know, a coach like Doc, especially to, you know, try something so new. Cause Doc is so set in his way you know, it's one of those things where like maybe, maybe a Nick nurse or, you know, a, a James Rago. some one of those guys, there's a lot more experimental, or a, spol- a spolster, if you want to go kind of the top tier of creativity with coaches you could add, you could say yeah you should go into Ben but that's not the defend doc that's you know his rigidity is one of his issues as a coach but there's a lot to ask there but yeah I think the way I tried to frame it when I spoke with Evan is that like I think Andre is a lot better player than Dwight yeah. um, but I don't you know the impact won't be great because he's going to play in the playoffs it'll be you know 12 to, it'll be it'll be eight to 12 minutes a night for the most part. And the regular season, it'll be, you know, 18 or like 14 minutes a game. So um, it's like, it's enough to matter, but you know, it's not like some, I don't think it's going to be a huge, like even if the talent impact is there, it's not like he went from a starter to a starter to call a bench guys who, you know, back up the, be- the team's best player and one of the best players in the league. But yeah, I think, I think that matters too. And what I like about Andre, if they use him correctly is he's got great hands too. He can get out and he can help kind of ignite fast breaks um, and given kind of the, the offensive struggles the Sixers had last year with those bench units that I'm sure we'll continue to see because Docker was a still head coach. So you have to bank those into how you, how you look at things um, that will be beneficial for them because just like, I mean, transition is just inherently a much more efficient form of offense than half court offense. So uh, if Drummond's able to get some steals, you know, let Maxie do his thing, let uh, Ferg hung it out and transition those sorts of things it, that helps too. So um, Andre has his issues, you know, when he's playing deep drop, like, and I've, for anyone listening, either, you know, in a podcast form, you've heard me and Evan go through his issues defensively. He can be, he's much more, he's much better when he's asked to kind of be proactive defensively, play higher up, things like that. Um, but he's undoubtedly a better player than Dwight at this stage, and that matters. Um, and I just think you can do a little more with him, you know, with the dribble handoff game. Of course, there'll be the times where maybe he is, oh, he's too audacious with a keeper, or he tries you know, to dribble up top and create a face-up bucket. But um not many teams are going to match the kind of what you're getting is not many teams will be able to match the personnel to, to bang with the size of Joel and Andre Drummond for an entire 48 minutes. Um, you can look at a team like the, like the Suns, for instance, last year, you know, Dario Saric before his uh, unfortunate injury um, was their backup five when they really struggled there. Um, you can look at the nets, for instance, don't, didn't really have I any, they had, DeAndre Jordan was their biggest guy and he wasn't in the rotation the last two and a half months. So the last two months or so. Um, so just point being there is, as you mentioned, like it's going to, it's going to be a lot to ask for teams to handle, like have their, their five handle the physicality that Drummond and and MB offer for 48 minutes or, you know, there'll be times when Joel misses games for maintenance or whatever it is. But um, I think those, those undoubtedly improve the bench and, um, there are greater issues at hand on the bench. Of course, they need, you know, a perimeter shot creator. Um, they're probably going to move on from Ben Simmons based on reports, even though things have kind of stagnated, but um, given kind of the options available to them on the free agency market. Um, I think those are two, two notable upgrades, even if it's not some huge impact, you know, born out through the impact. I think those are definitely things, ways they shored up some holes off the bench, even if their, their biggest holes remain, but I'm not going to criticize them because they didn't have, they didn't really have the path to go get a perimeter shot creator. Um, you know, cause Kyle already didn't want to go there. So you can't really, you know, there's, and there's no one else really available for them. So and that's how I feel about anything else you want to add. I apologize for him rambling to anyone listening, um, but anything else you, you kind of note about those, those moves.
1: Uh, well, I'm offended that you're not going to apologize to me for rambling, but, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Dude, you're <laughs> good. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you hit on it and I think the biggest thing for me is while well, they solved some of their ancillary problems and I was happy about that. Uh, the biggest thing has just been like, I think we're just at a stage now where without everything is gone, like I think uh, maybe it's easier for some to just be like, oh, well, you know, this will blow over and maybe they'll play with Ben next year. And I just don't think that you can play a minute with Ben with how everything has went. I mean, we had the report that just came out from, uh, I, I apologize, I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. Um, but that report just was, came out last was week. It Jason, what, was it Jason Dumas? Yes, it was Jason Dumas' report that, that Ben is just, you know, not in communication with the Sixers at all. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to refute somebody's report on that. I, I would not imagine that they're posting that without having validity for it. So, um, I, I mean, Daryl Morey can, can post the cleaning the glass lineup numbers all he wants. <laughs> I don't think that that's going to change anything for me. Um, we've just like e- even, okay. I think it's different. Like if they don't have that, that press conference after the the last game and, and Ben gets thrown under the bus, like yeah, maybe I could see it happening next year. Um, and that's not even saying you know that things would change on court just so they could run it back as a team but I don't think that that's viable or, or or a possibility even now and I think just the way that everything's played out like, I mean it feels like they have waited way too long to make something happen and I'm sure that they have tried to make something happen like of course they have um, but I just wonder if they've tanked his value a little bit and I, I, I mean we've talked about this before too I think that like overall, Ben is getting completely misrepresented as a player in the general sphere. Um, and his value is probably a, a lot higher than I think people give him credit for. Um, but I also just feel like Philadelphia is going to get back a lot less than, than people are expecting. Um, like I, I'm at the stage where, um, I, I talked about this last week. Um, like I think. Like the most realistic landing spots for me are like looking at somewhere that where they can like a team looking to do a consolidation trade. Like if you're looking at Atlanta, or uh, which would be kind of Mm -hmm. an awkward fit admittedly for Atlanta, but I think they'd. You never know. But like looking at like Atlanta or San Antonio, uh, maybe Memphis. Like I do think that there is a Mm -hmm. team that's going to be willing to put together like a two or three guys with draft assets deal. Like and not even that. I, I mean, obviously I know the Sixers don't need draft assets right now. That's the last thing that they need but that's just stuff to make things happen in the future. But Mm -hmm. I just don't think they're getting a a quote unquote star player back. Um, At least it feels pretty evident that they're they're not going to. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I have no idea how Ben's feeling. This is, this is not me reporting anything, but just if I were in that position, and again, I'm not I'm a much different person than Ben, but it just feels tough. Like to like what, you know, what incentive is there, you know, for him to, you know, give his, all, give his all, you know, beyond just like wanting to be a basketball player. Like, like, of course that matters, but like, it, it feels tough to me to, to, to feel fully invested in a team that isn't fully invested in you anymore, who, you know, they tried to trade with James Harden and then it came out right after the season. And did, you know, doc had been adamant in his support of him. And then, and then doc is asked, as the point guard to lead you a championship caliber team. And he, he backpedals on it. Um, the Joel thing, I don't really have an issue with because Joel also owned up to his own. Fault yeah. Afterwards. I didn't
1: have an issue with that. Um but, then but it was also forces. just like it, it, sorry to cut you off but it also there, just like with that happening it's like clear mm-hmm. it's like okay yeah this is kind of with that in conjunction with the stuff with doc was like yeah all right we're kind of this is running course
0: and then it's come out that they're 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 really trying to move him and you know as a person like that that's that I think that's tough to you know twice in the span of eight and a half months I think that's really tough to come back from not as a not as an athlete but like you just if you don't feel that commitment from your employer it's hard to be that give that same commitment so like I I like, if, if Ben is totally fine to come back, obviously do it, and, and props to him, of course. Like, of course, Ben deserves, you know, Ben deserves, I, would, I don't know, blame is not the right word. Ben, Ben's own lack of offensive development is part of the reason I had to move him. So, in that sense, he, he deserves responsibility for getting to this point. But how it's played out since then, I don't really think has been just, like, I don't think it's been fair to him in some reports. And I don't know all the details, of course, but just stuff that is publicly available it just seems a little unfair to him. Like the actively are always trying to move him, you know, the way that things, things doc said and, and whatnot. So that's, I, I generally agree that it seemed kind of untenable from a relationship standpoint, but again, I'm not there. Morgan, I'm not the front. I'm not anyone else in the front us, I'm not Ben. So that's kind of how I view things. And I don't want to project on. No, them, Yeah. It, I,
1: I agree. And again, not to cut you off, but it's like, like you're saying, um, I mean, so often people will bring up, Oh, well, you know, you gotta be a team player until you're not on that team anymore or something like that. I'm like, well, okay. Then the same can be said about the organizational (laughs) commitment. Like it's all well and good that you want a player to, to, to be all about the team all day, every day. But then when the organization is not doing the same thing to the player, no, I don't, I don't think that there has to be that same commitment. Like, um, so, yeah, I, I think we're in the same space with that. And it's just like the way people have talked about Ben has been a little bit frustrating to me. Like, I know that there are some very real, um, reports, you know, that about his, uh, the way that he has handled his work. And like you've mentioned with his offensive development or lack thereof, I agree with that. But I think there are people saying that he's not a hard worker. And I just vehemently disagree with that. Like, clearly the dude puts in work. He comes in in shape. Like, he works his ass off, but uh, maybe it's just misplaced in some ways. But, um, I, I don't know.
0: Uh, yeah you don't get you don't get to be the top top 40 guy in your craft without working hard like yeah i would agree that whatever he's done since coming to the nba to improve his offense hasn't worked um or it, has, it hasn't at least manifested to it to a game level or a game atmosphere um but yeah i think i i think people that are you know questioning his kind of his actual commitment to work i think is a little misguided because like i said like being top 40 in the world at uh, what you do was really, really impressive. Um, I've been harsh on Ben. like, I, I think his lack of offense development is is, is a big deal. Um, but, yeah, I think when you get in kind of the work ethic questions, I think um, that, that crosses the line um, yeah. to an extent. But, yeah, I, I, I think we're generally on the same page about Ben and Ben. I'm really curious to see what happens. I wonder if, you know, with all these people in the same place in Las Vegas right now, um, you know, if that accelerates something, of course people have, cell phones and other forms of communication. But um, there is, I think, a level of kind of intimacy and co- communication that you can happen in person that is kind of, you know, you can't replicate that otherwise. So I'm wondering if anything happens, you know, by August 23rd, because these people are in Vegas for a week and a half together um, talking about things. But um, with Ben, you know, I know that you and I talked about some trade destinations, but are there any teams that you've, you've thought about that you think are both a realistic spot to acquire Ben that have the players or maybe draft capital to, to entice the Sixers side of things that we maybe we didn't touch on. Um, I don't want to go too in-depth on Ben, but it's been a little while since we talked a lot about him, or I've talked a lot about him on, this, on a stream or a pod. But any teams that kind of interest you, you know, that you think maybe have come up in the last month and a half or so since we last discussed it on here?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like like I was saying earlier, it seems like uh, pretty unlikely to me that a star package gets thrown together. Um like, I just don't see how that's going to happen, frankly. Uh, this is, I mean, it's just, it's different from the James Harden trade. Like, we saw how little went back for James. Like, I mean, everything was in draft picks. Like, I, I mean, to me, like, did, maybe, maybe people would disagree, but I felt like that was a small, small package back for James Harden in some ways. Like, just given the way everything worked out, like, clearly, I think if that happens six months earlier, then they probably get back more. Um, But that's just my opinion. It could be different. Uh, But like looking at like Portland has like been open about like they're keeping CJ McCollum as much as I I don't really agree with that. um, Neil O'Shea is very ready to not have his job. Um, I just don't. Yeah. uh, It seems like even that's not going to happen. Like that. It it almost felt like in some ways the the Portland deal was kind of on the back burner and like, oh yeah, if something, you know, doesn't pop up that we like better, then then maybe we'll just trade with Portland and get CJ McCollum. And um, that seems pretty out of the picture right now um, based on things that have been reported. Um, I really do think like, I don't know if it's necessarily realistic, but I mean, to me, like even just watching the Grizzlies play at summer league today, um, and watching them the last couple days, just in general, thinking about them a lot, like they have like 16 or 17 guys who are rosterable and it's just too much. Like you cannot have that many guys. And I think it's not, it's not perfect. Like I think it's harder because they don't necessarily have like a, uh, a third option or a fourth option who you could see slotting in right away to the Sixers, but you could say, okay, well, here's three players and a bunch of draft picks and it makes your team make sense. Um, and you move on from Ben Simmons, like they could do it. I think Atlanta could put together a real package. Mm-hmm. Like, Okay. Um, here's Deandre Hunter and, uh, like one or two things. And we'll, we would love Ben Simmons. And I do think like, some people will probably be like, well, Deandre Hunter can shoot threes and he's a wing. And yes, but like, I also think we have to think about like Ben just makes more sense next to a dynamic ball handler in some ways, and we haven't seen that yet. Like, um, So mm-hmm. I think that there at least that's the next context you want to see him develop in, at least for me. like Maybe playing next to a guy who is vehemently a better passer and decision maker and just more capable offensive player than him will help him change his role and see things differently in the NBA. Um, so I think a team like Atlanta would be willing to swing on that. And they definitely, like, they're another team. They're, they're in need of consolidation trade. Like, they were running 11 deep in the playoffs, and it was <laughs> nice. But, like, I still think they need more top-end talent. Like, they have a lot of, like, obviously Trey's fantastic, but I think they need somebody who can be right there alongside him. And they were able to get real contributions from, from Kevin Herter in the playoffs as he kind of combusted. Um, but you saw against the, the Bucks, like, they really just struggled offensively um, to keep going uh, against how well the Bucks were playing on defense. And you, you, they just need somebody else who can initiate an offense outside Trey. They have a lot of guys who can carry on a possession, but Trey's really the only one who you can trust to start something consistently. Um, so I think that's something I would look at for them. And then the Spurs, I do think, are really real. Like, um, like to me, it like if let's say, and I don't know if San Antonio will go for this. Like, I know Devin Vassell has been doing fun stuff with the ball in his hands at Summer League. I just don't know how real real that is and translating to the NBA. I'm not really there. And I also just think, too, like, Devin Vassell is going to be a really high end role player to me. And I do think that there's still something there. Like, Ben is a deserving all star. Um, and I think that there's still a little bit more that you hope that a team like San Antonio could take to the next level. I've been a little bit lower on them as an organization lately. But, like, if you say, all right, here's Derek White, Devin Vassell, and salary filler for Ben Simmons, like, that makes a lot of sense to me for the Sixers. Like I think the gives you answers on the wing that the Sixers really just haven't had because they don't really have a three. Like every three they've had is not <laughs> capable of guarding threes um, or just not good enough offensively. So I think Devin gives you a guy who you could see functioning in a lot of lineups. So it make sense and has real upside play and Derek white. Well, he's not a guy who's going to initially be awesome at bending a defense for you. Like I just think, Okay, you can trust him to run some, run some sets and rely off of what he can do off of Joel's gravity. And it's not perfect, but I do think it makes the Sixers a better team ultimately. And I think it would make sense for San Antonio too, but um, I also, like, I just don't really have a great feel for what they're doing as an organization right now, especially after the draft.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I like, I like all three of those destinations in terms of teams that should be, you know, at least you know, reaching out to, to the Sixers about, you know, Ben's availability and what, what it might take to, you know, acquire him. Uh but yeah, Atlanta makes a ton of sense because you know when I look at that team, I'm like, what are they missing? And I think it's just higher end talent. I don't really think they're like like, yeah, I'm sure if I thought about it in depth I'd get to certain micro skills that maybe the team is missing, but overall I think it's just higher a higher caliber of talent um outside of Trey. And yeah, I would be curious to see Ben. You know, Ben got to play alongside Jimmy Butler for, for half a year or three quarters of a year. Um but that's a different type of ball handler. He's not quite yeah. good. The pull-up gravity guy, you like to get in the paint, draw fouls, get to the rim, um, which isn't quite. I mean, I think it, it, he he could have helped Ben more than you know, or Ben maybe could have been a little better about the role he played alongside Jimmy. But it's not quite the style of the ball handler that is best for Ben. Um, so I'd like to see him there with Trey. Um, but yeah, the the Spurs one makes a ton of sense. Der- like I've been a Derek White fan for a for a long while um i I yearn to see him back and i i want to see derek, bubble derek white again me too he averaged nineteen five and five and took eight threes a game and his three point rate was romantic last year was a huge bummer just with how the different injuries he endured yeah. um but i think i like i like i legit i think there is some pretty serious like I don't know how like I don't know how deep I want to get into it, but I think Derek White is a guy who could be like a top fifty ish guy if you can, if you can maintain that offensive aggression because he is a very good defense. Like the point of attack, getting over, defense body dude. control, uh Control, just the way like I, he's not Ben Simmons of court. I mean, there are very few players, but like, but I think that plus like the ball handling, game when the, the sound decision making from him because um, he's great at getting that pull up from mid range and the elbows and. Not, he's not, like, some incredible passer, but he's a very
1: good decision maker. He's kind of um, like a modern-day George Hill to me, which sounds weird because George Hill's still playing, but he reminds me a lot of George Hill <laughs> yeah. when he was with Indiana. Like, he's a guy who you can trust to run stuff. He's not, like, a guy – he's not going to bend or destroy a defense with his passing, but he'll make the right reads, and I think he's probably a better shooter on volume than George in some ways, or at least he's a more willing shot taker. Um so yeah, I, I, I would love it for the Sixers, so I mean cut you yeah.
0: off. No, you're good. Yeah, and I think he you know, people that this new kind of idea has been the play linker, the play connector, the, the Lonzos, the Halliburtons, you know, I think Jalen Suggs is gonna fill that role in some ways. Um, George Hill in his prime was I think Derek White represents that as well, um, to an extent. But yeah, I think I, I think there's some kind of latent upside with 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 White if you can tap into that uh into that that whatever you saw in the bubble where he is more aggressive getting to his spots and hunting the threes there so i and i i don't think he's like he's not a better player than ben simmons but i think there's a chance second round Derek white has more value than second round ben simmons um as of now i mean that i mean again yeah. that's that maybe i that probably feels not to you but maybe to the to someone who isn't quite as familiar with with derrick's game that feels maybe a little kind of I don't know, maybe a little, a little, what's the word? Ambitious, but I do think it's legit because Derek can shoot off a dribble from about 16 feet in, and that's not something Ben can really do. Mm-hmm. And Derek, at his peak, is a very, very good defender too. I think he's put in a couple of roughly borderline all, all, all defense, cal- all defense caliber seasons. Um, not last year, of course, because he was injured. But yeah, I like I like that one the most. I think I get maybe like Herder would be interesting if they, if they if they could pry him from the Hawks um because he is a similar now he's not Derek White um but similar mole in the secondary handler who and he's lesser defender but uh took a huge step forward this year defensively some of the things he did to Chris Middleton in that series early on uh, was very impressive uh, some of the things he did uh in the in the Sixers series and the Knicks series as well on that and that weren't quite good so um I think if you get harder, that those those two places make a ton of sense and so so I agree I, I think those like if I had to if I had to bet like I don't think Atlanta is going to going to make that big of a move yet. I think that'd be more of something maybe they do off, next offseason if this year doesn't go quite as well as they'd like. But yep. uh, I think San Antonio is definitely a team that could be primed for it. Uh, and I, I would like, you know, I agree that some of the some of the personnel decisions San Antonio's made aren't great, but I think their drafting still has been quite good. You know, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, Kelvin Johnson, Vassell seems a really good pick. Um, you know I'm not, I'm not a draft guy, so I can't speak one with the other on Josh Primo. And it's far too early to know. Um, but I think you know that could be a place where the development system is good for for Ben. So um, yeah, I like all those, and you know I feel like we probably talked about them two months ago when, we, when I had you on last to talk about some Ben Simmons stuff. But um, yeah, I think those all make sense. And again, I really would I think Derek White would help a ton. I think he's the guy that you know could most replicate Ben's defense at the point of attack while giving you more kind of all handling juice, which is what they need. Um, wouldn't serve it, solve every issue because quite frankly, Ben just. I mean, unless you're like, he just isn't quite that caliber of player where you're doing like a one for one swap or a consolidation where you're get like, you're getting that guy who like solves all your permanent creation needs. If it is, if Ben is involved in a deal, it's the James Harden, the Ben Simmons where the Sixers are attaching a lot, a lot more players or picks. But, um, I really like the Derek White fit and even maybe Atlanta if they can get Kevin Herter back. Um, Herder needs to improve his efficiency. Like he's just not quite there as a, as a two point scorer yet. But even though he took a step forward there, but, but I do like those moves. But as I've said multiple times, it, it's 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 just tough because nothing really gets the Sixers, I think, to bridge the gap between where they are now and where they'd like to go. With Joel and B leading the way, um, does that all, does it all kind of rest? Like, does that all make sense? And kind of check out maybe how you you view the situation as
1: well for the Sixers and and Ben as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's uh, I think one of the things that's really changed up for me, um, in this whole. Uh, th- this whole off-season ordeal, or I guess, not ordeal is wrong I to put it, but the, pretty much ever since the second round of the playoffs, um, I've really just been, uh, I, I don't want to say down on the Sixers, but obviously I, I, I just think they're, what their window is to me has really changed. Um, because I think so much, again, I never want to be like, uh, well, I don't know if Joel is going to be able to stay healthy for forever, but those are real questions. And I just think it's also more importantly, like Joel is so clearly in his prime right now. Like, I just saw today, like, somebody put out a tweet that, uh, you know, comparing, like, three bigs, uh, and I think it was uh, Jokic, AD, and, and Embiid, and a lot of people were putting Embiid last. It was crazy to me. Like, I, I love Anthony Davis, but, like, I feel like Embiid is quite clearly the second-best big in the league behind uh, behind Nikola Jokic, uh, just given what he does on both ends. Um, and. I mean, like, again, mentioning, like, this, it feels weird with how the, like, the Sixers have drafted really well, especially under Daryl Morey, uh, most recently. Like, getting Jaden Springer was so huge, but also, you're just not getting the contributions you hope for from Springer until Joel's, like, 30 or 31. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think it's nice that they have such a, a really nice group of young talent. Like, Tyrese is going to be really good. Um, he was, fantastic today in summer league uh but i think it just gives me more pause because i'm not really sure what to make of this team and their outlook right now because i understand wanting to uh to you know keep all of your guys together and try and show what you have uh throughout but i also think they have to make some moves to really sell out for joel's prime in some ways uh i just don't think you can let another mvp caliber season slip the way that they did last year and again less of it i mean they were the one seed for fuck's sake. But like a lot of that too is they, there were some unfortunate injuries that happened. They used to tank some teams. Um, so I know that's a long-winded answer, but basically like I'm just a little bit, uh, conf- I'm not confused on this team. Like I get what the, what the direction is, but I also think they're getting to a stage where they're going to have to make some real moves and try and mm-hmm. uh, try and go in for, for, for making a title push. Yeah. I would say on the
0: second best big, I think I would prefer Joel. As my lead guy offensively over AD, yeah. but I think as a secondary guy because AD is such a better roller. Um, probably, yeah, I mean, probably the best lob threat in the NBA. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe Gobert, um, but I, but obviously AD pairs that with you know he has some mid range game and he's improved passer. So um, I think they're all like really close. Uh, like I'm not. I don't want to get a huge. You know, discussion about the rankings, but I do think so much is context based. But I yeah, prefer definitely. Joel as a lead option over AD, but I prefer AD as a secondary guy. And we've we've seen what AD can do in that option in that in that role. Obviously, he, he won a freaking title with, alongside uh, LeBron mm-hmm. it was incredible. So, um, but yeah, like I think I think for me, just on that topic, which is a little bit off, off you know, on a tangent, is that. I just think being like definitive in one way, or the other among any of those three guys is just not the way to go, and that's the way I think with any basketball opinion. For the most part, honestly, is just being too definitive. I, mean, I felt I fall victim to it as well, but that's how, that's how I view those things. But yeah, the, the Sixers are in a tough spot because, like, you don't want to rush into a move because Ben Simmons is a very good player that a lot of teams I'm sure would be interested in. Um, but at the same time, like, again, this is this is not reporting at all, but like. Joel is due for an extension soon. And if you try and run it back for another year with Ben, who, like, like, it, it would be tough to exactly, like, to feel confident in the front office doing that and to feel confident in Ben. That's not to, like, criticize Simmons, but, like, he just hasn't been the same player beyond the first round in any of his three appearances. So, like you, like, you know he's an all-star caliber guy in the regular season, but if you're Joel or whoever, like you don't know if you get that in the second round, you, in, you more likely think that he isn't quite that guy offensively in the second round. um despite remaining being very, very good defensively um, this year and in the, in the Toronto series as well. So uh, it just like, it's a very tough spot to be. in. so when I think when you say confused, like maybe the front office did not as confused, but like, like it's just a really, really like, it's not a great spot to be in. Like it's, it's a, it's a tough situation. So I, I hear all of where you're coming from and, I I do wonder if Ben does return and he's you know he is himself um, on the court again as you know as a player and whatnot, kind of the all-star caliber guy. It's been the regular season. Uh, Like what Maxie looks like, how that could decide. Like if Maxie is a guy who can legit be that two B three A you know score behind Joel and Tobias, um, which is a lot to ask for, of course. But like you know he got so much better in the season, Um, and if he if he dominates summer league, like it doesn't really mean a ton usually if you dominate summer league, but it does does mean I think like you. The very least you're doing something right, um, so that would be encouraging. But I do wonder like how that changes things if Maxi is a more reliable shot career than he was last season. Like, does that make them more willing to do a consolidation trade where they they get a you know maybe they get a defensive minded wing and a, and a shooter and things like that rather than trying to go for this guy? We need another ball handler. Like, we need a Malcolm Brogdon. We need a Sigi McCollum, someone who can make lighten the load. Of course, like you need to lighten the load for Joel because part of the reason you know Joel struggled in some of the second halves against the Hawks is because his his offensive burden was so ginormous because yeah. Tobias was struggling, because Ben was you know, not himself as a, as a slasher, and attacker, and whatnot. Um, so yeah, that some of that's on Joel. Like It'd be better, it'd be nice if Joel could handle a little larger creation burden in conjunction with his, the, the all-world defense, but that isn't quite who he is. And so, um, if Maxie's capable of taking some of that, I wonder how that influences things. But that's maybe a, a discussion for November or uh, December when the weather isn't as nice as beautiful. So, uh, it is still August, but that's just some things to to think about. I we've a lot of these pods the last month or so have been talking about the draft or just certain frequency moves, but I do think it's always nice to kinda of take a step back again and kind of look at this team from macro perspective, which this conversation invited. So appreciate that. But this has been awesome, mm-hmm. Mark. Any anything else that's kinda of come to mind about this discussion? Um, the more the merrier, honestly. I don't I
1: don't want to keep you for too long. I know there's a lot of basketball going on where you are and whatnot. Yeah, um well one thing I kind of wanted to hit on if you want to cuz I know we both talked about it yeah. but uh we can we can we talk for a minute about the Jimmy Butler contract cuz that's been insane to me cuz that's not that's not a small that's not a small minority group of people who are uh, who are blowing up over the contract and it's been wild to me to see that.
0: Yeah, absolutely we can, we can we'll be a we'll be a Sixers and uh former Sixers podcast today. Yeah. Um yeah, the I, I think we feel very similar on this and and What's interesting to me is, and I'm not like trying to ever like cape for a team because a team is run by you know billionaires and, and whatnot, um, and you know uh, not a fan of billionaires to, to put it PC. Um, yeah. But what's interesting is people always frame it as, oh, the Heat have to pay him 52 million in age 36 season, rather than oh, the Heat have this All NBA caliber win locked up for five more years, and there's a chance that he continues to be an All NBA caliber player for three of them or whatever. I am always just curious why is that why is the framing like, oh look what look what this player will be like even with the Damian Lillard contract, like oh well, that's a lot to you know, now he's now he's come up and trade, that's a lot to trade for in this one year. Yeah, but you're trading for a guy who is a borderline top ten player, or you just you just retained a guy for two or three more years that's a borderline top twelve player, whatever you want to consider, Jimmy and Dane, uh, who I think are in similar you know, kind of the same tier of player, um, in different contexts. But yeah, that's I just why it just has confused me why that's the framing like like the the Heat have locked up their their best player arguably their best player however you feel about Bam and his development for I, th- I think it was what three more years if I recall Jimmy's entering year three of a four year deal currently um, but like yeah. why is that why is the framing of like a look what he'll be in half a decade rather than look what the Heat now have for another half decade uh, and which will likely continue to be a top twenty guy conservatively for that for most of that contract or those two contractors i guess in separate deals or whatever um but yeah i agree i just like i don't quite understand why and why is it not look at like good for jimmy for earning like for not earning because he earns it regardless but like look at for instilling faith in the organization after another great season to you know be to for them to give him that deal um so that's how i feel about it but what's i feel like you probably have the a eloquent and good rant in here, but what's, (laughs) what is your thoughts on on this and what, what kind of frustrates you about the discussion around such, such a deal or a similar deal of
1: of it? Yeah. Um, it's just, I get frustrated with it because number one, like you were mentioning, um, like a lot of it just gets centered around not, uh, how do you put it? Um, like not a, a, not just being happy for the dude for making money. Like, I, I mean, that's generational wealth. So it's awesome seeing stuff like that happen. The biggest thing for me is just like Jimmy Butler was a top, top 12 player last year. I think that's trying to be conservative. Like I had him second team all NBA. He had probably the best season of his career last year. I know some people might disagree with that, but honestly, like I think you and I both talked about this is where he was defensively, how he was as a driver. Like, yes, the shot is dead, but it's just like, in spite of that, he was fantastic last year. Like, As good as Bam has been and taking steps, like Jimmy is still clearly the guy who drives that team, and I would say is the best player. Um, I just think like we overthink it sometimes. I I get being obsessed with with contracts and the CBA. That's totally not me. Um, Like I think I used to be a little bit more, but as I've gotten closer with things, not as much. Like I just think I look at it more like, okay, well, let's be real here. Like if you're a top fifteen player, no, you're not returning the same value as somebody like LeBron James. But it's also just completely unreasonable to expect somebody to return the same value as LeBron James or Luka Doncic. Like there are five or six guys who are just going to be above and beyond what a max contract is. But that doesn't mean that Jimmy Butler isn't still worth the max contract. Like somebody like the way that things work out in the cap structure in the CBA, like you have to pay somebody that money if they are an, an all NBA level talent or one of the, the 15 best players in the NBA. And I just I really dislike the framing of, well, well, when he's 36 and he's making this much money, I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'm sorry. That sounds like super reductive. But at the same time, like, the Heat are trying to win right now. The last time that they let a player close to this good walk away, which was Dwayne Wade, who not even close to that good. Like, Dwayne Wade was maybe a top 50 player at the time when he walked away and went to Chicago. Um, Like, they filled up their roster with a bunch of bad players. or Bad bad players, wrong way to put it. But, like, a bunch of lengthier contracts that – um, we're just kind of cap filler and it, it really didn't do anything for them as a franchise. I mean, they're trying to win right now. Like, let's just be realistic. This team is trying to win right now. Why would you not resign your best player? Like that's just galaxy brain to me. And I, I get wanting to look at things in a different way. And I try and understand and rationalize with where people are coming from. But to me, that's just way too far. Like you have to recognize the point of this is being good. Like you want to build towards being a good team. Yes. That's a lot of money to pay somebody, but also Jimmy Butler, deserves that money based on his play um the and, most and, yeah, and well. I would
0: say too, like like I think maybe the counter might be like they didn't have to extend him yet because he has two years left but to me the, the counter is like you You're want showing to that ma- confidence in your guy. you like, want to maintain those relationships because that's part of the reason you got me butler because he said he loved how Miami treated Dwayne Wade like you wouldn't have them if you didn't do some of the things. And and sure, yeah, maybe Dwayne wasn't great in his last what he was with the with the Cavs, the Heat for two years after he did his his midwestern escapade. Um, but like that's like part of the reason that you have Jimmy in the first place, this All NBA caliber guy, is because he liked the way you treated treated players. So the next time a guy wants to see, they see how they treated Jimmy Butler. Like, oh, if I go there, the, I if I play well, I will get a deal that maybe oh, like is. Maybe I'm not the same caliber of player by the end of it, but they're going to treat me well. Like, that sort of things matter. Like, relationships matter a ton. It's why, like, sometimes teams try and open up side in traders. They don't have to because they want to do right by players and agents and whatnot. And that sort of things matter. So, like, I, I absolutely agree. Like, I just, it's just strange to me. Like, I, I, and I'm not saying that there's no, there's no place to discuss. Like, like, yes, like maybe third or fourth down the list when you talk about Jimmy Butler stuff. Like, like, yeah, maybe he might not be as good as he is now. And, you might not be as good as the other players making that money in, in five years, but like the amount of time, like the amount of stuff I saw, you know, like whether it was a, a podcast, you know, or a tweet, and I know that Twitter is very different than real world. I can have a tendency to get bogged down in it and have a misperception of reality. But I just like I don't know why that's such like the certain the gut instinct. I also don't know why I don't like that it's the gut instinct for so many people. Like a guy just had an awesome year. Like there are there are reasons you do this because relationships matter, and so that's the biggest thing to me is instilling the faith. Like and you just got Kyler because of his relationship with Jimmy Butler mainly, and I'm sure part of it was Kyler liked the way these saw players treated in Miami, and so like that stuff matters. Like that's why Miami has been able to largely be, be competitive and and make some solid and win some playoff series despite you know losing the best player in the world for nothing. I believe he, there was no sign and trade with with LeBron at the time. Um, like that, like they've been able to to retool on the fly. Um, like they lost LeBron and then Chris Bosh. What two years later, a year and a half later, you know, unfortunately was. Was be set by blood clots. And Chris Bosh is a hell of a player. And then Dwayne Wade has his knee issues. Like, like, and they've been still been a pretty like good team because of the way they treat players to an extent and and whatnot. And they they put confidence in guys. So that's um, not me to like you know just absolutely like advocate for the Heat. But I think those things matter. Like the relationships matter. The Heat have shown to to treat players correctly, and that's why they have Drew Butler, and that's part of what they have Kyle Lowry because Kyle Lowry connection Drew Butler. So it's all tied together to me. And I think we're very much in sync, but I didn't want to cut off
1: anything else you had to, to add to this conversation. No, you're totally good. I don't, I don't really know if I have anything else to add to it. I just think like overall, I think that, well, analysis and everything is good. And obviously like, that's what our jobs are centered around. I also think at some point you have to like, and, and this came a little bit with the DeMar contract too. Like, even if it is maybe necessary, like kind of an overpay, I think we get so bogged down and be like, Oh, well they overpaid. They did this. They did that. Instead of being like, well, Okay, but how does this make them better? Like, I think we could focus a lot more on the importance of why it happened or, or what, what it does for a team or for for the player just in general. Like, what's the fit like? Instead of just getting overwrought with contracts. Because I think even then, like, again, I'm not the biggest CBA guy, but also we've just seen so many, quote-unquote, like, shitty cal- shitty salary contracts, uh, um Cap situations get smoothed out relatively easily with like moves that mm-hmm. aren't insane. I just think we overthink it, and I, I'm, I'm a little bit sick of it, but that's uh, that's my that's my rant over. And I appreciate you <laughs> indulging it.
0: No, absolutely. I know this is largely a sticker centric podcast, but I but I agree because now this is the second like it happened to them. This is the second time that Jimmy Butler has happened. People thought the same when the heat paid him, uh, and now he just got an extension after two top 15 seasons. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's now happened tw- twice with Chris Paul or three times with Chris Paul. Uh, and, and he's, I mean, I know Chris Paul is an anomaly because he's a smaller guard. Um, if you want to look for the counter to it, obviously Kemba Walker, um, who unfortunately has not been the same player he was when he signed that deal. Um, but yeah, I tend to agree. And I think it's, it's much easier to move out of those things. And you think Russell was traded three times on this deal that everyone said was like, there are the way I've tried to frame it because a lot of it is relation to Tobias Harris, who, people don't think quite approximates the value of players at similar price points, which I tend to agree with people. Ask like, is he, is he someone they could move? Like no is on no, no guy is unmovable on a deal. It's just a matter of like, can you get plus value back for it? And I think that's more the way to frame a lot of times is like, yeah, like you can't always get plus value, but you can always move someone on a deal. Just regardless of how much they're being paid. Um, so, I mean, people, I mean, people thought maybe Kemba Walker wouldn't be able to get moved given the, the way he's sterile at times this year. Um, and he got traded and then he got subsequently bought out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you and I could do a huge, huge discussion, huge hour, hour, two hours podcast on this. I'm sure we'll talk about it in person in Vegas this week, but uh, I generally agree with you that, like, I think sometimes those things are overthought. And and my biggest thing is, like, the NBA moves so quickly. Like, it's so yeah. hard to project. Like, it, when, when 2026 rolls around, um, $52 million, like the cap will be significantly higher than it is now. $52 million for a deal. We much more commonplace. Um, so it won't look out of the ordinary. I mean, it'll be up you near know, the top, I'm sure. But, and just, that's one thing to just like change things move. Like Russell West was a Laker now three years ago. He was on the thunder. John Wells, a, like a, a rocket, like just things move so quickly. Um, DeMar DeRozan's a spur, like you know, just Damian Lillard might be available. Ben Simmons looks like he's going to get moved. Um, like all these things, just the NBA, the NBA ecosystem moves way, way quicker and is more unpredictable than we like to think. Um, everyone wants to be able to project things deep into the future, myself included, but um, the NBA is one of those things, where especially where it's really tough to do so, and, and criticizing moves for what something might look like in 2026 is just not something I can get on board with, as I've covered it and become more and more, fluent with how the league operates because it just is so unknown that far into the future. Yeah. I
1: completely agree, man.
0: Cool. Um, I'm glad we're on board. We tend to agree on a lot of things. I got to get someone on here who just, adamantly disagrees with most of my opinions, I get two <laughs> people who appease my thoughts on things. I got to get a, I got to get a, a protagonist or antagonist on here. Bring
1: on, bring on Perkin. See what happens.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know how i get to him though. Um, but, uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on, Mark. Anything you want to add? Anything you want to plug? Where can people find you? Give yourself a little shout-out here.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, man. You can find me over at M. M. NBA over on Twitter. Um, I do all my work over Premium Moops and Indie Cornrows, both on pod and written form, taking a little bit of time off from uh, putting stuff out, or at least trying to as I'm sitting here on a podcast, uh, because I'm on <laughs> technically on vacation. But, uh, yes, I, uh, you can find me anywhere. I also have a Patreon if you uh, if you have the means to support me. But, uh Honestly, just encouraged by uh, by people who read my stuff. So thanks, stuff for having me on, man. This was fun. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, don't consider work. You're just talking uh, talking basketball with your friend,
0: or consider yeah. it work, whatever you want, whatever is easier for you. But absolutely, go and check out Mark's. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Check out his Patreon. Subscribe if you're financially able. Doing a ton of great work there. Um, I think there are a lot of things wrong with NBA media. Mark is absolutely not one of them, so I highly recommend reading his I appreciate work. Appreciate that. Um, and Mark, I I will see you tomorrow, friend. I look forward. to I know, man. Some I'm looking
1: forward to it. And, uh, it and
0: grabbing a drink and forcing you to do to eat some food that is good that you don't like. I know, I'm uh, looking forward to it. It'll be great. <laughs> but yeah, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate everyone listening. Um, once again, if you're listening to some podcast form, you can go review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, this has been another episode of the House. That you, built. I'll be back later in the week for some Summer League content. But
1: in the meantime, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. I will talk to all of you again soon.